We're in our series called Hearts to Hearts with Heaven. And uh, this is week two. Um, and we're looking at Jesus's core teaching on prayer. Last week we learnt how we can meet God in Matthew chapter 6 verse 6. You have a visitor, it's God. And we learned that we can do this by going into our room, by closing the door and by praying to our Father. And I hope that some of you over this past week have been putting this into practice and experiencing times of intimacy and joy with our Father. You know, for me, I have, and it's been absolutely wonderful. And But if you haven't, it's okay, it's still not at all. You still have, have that opportunity, you still have time. Now, this week, we are going to look at what takes place in that closed room, in that inner sanctum, in that inner sanctuary. So let's turn to, to verse 7 of Matthew chapter 6. Verse 7 of Matthew 6. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Amen. Now, if either, so if you're a parent, or you've had parents or guardians at some point in your life, then you know what verse 7 means. You know babbling when you hear it. Verse 7 is that kid who goes, dad, 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 dad. Can I? Can I? Can I? Dad, Dad, please. Can I? Can I? What? Stop already. We've all been there. One, one uh, translation calls it vain repetition. Vain repetition. Useless repetition. A lot of noise, but nothing meaningful is happening. And I think sometimes we think that we can strong arm God into into agreeing with us, into doing what we say by wearing him down. But we can't wear him down, and I'm so grateful for that. Because what would history look like if humans could simply get their way by repeating a prayer over and over again? Well, if that was the case, then the winner would simply be the most, the most obnoxious and the most persistent. And Jesus says that that's how, how the pagans pray. That's how the people who don't know any better pray. That's how the prophets of, of Baal prayed on Mount Carmel. They vainly repeated. And they babbled. Now, Matthew 6 verse 5 last week uh, told us that, that, that um, yeah, the hypocrites, that they, that they raise their voices and they pitch their voice so that they can be heard by others. And now verse 7 tells us that, that the pagans pray, pray repetitious and babbling prayers so that they can be heard by God. And so, first of all, we have this group known as the hypocrites who, are, who have the wrong audience. And now we have the babblers who, who have the right audience, as it were, but the wrong motivation. Some folks think that prayer operates on the YOP principle. Now, if you've read or seen Horton Hears a Who, then you know what I mean. There's this 
city in this story called Whoville, and it's on a piece of dust, on a piece of clover, and it's in mortal danger. And there's a bumbling, well-meaning elephant called Horton who alone can save Whoville. Now, the only issue is that Horton cannot hear the people in Whoville because they are so, so tiny. And so the story comes this climactic moment where the Coos in Whoville are trying to alert Horton to where they are on this tiny speck of dust, on this tiny piece of clover, so that he can save them. And they're drumming and they're trumpeting and they're shouting, we are here, we are here. But their combined noise isn't loud enough to get Horton's attention. Until Jojo, this silent who finally finds his voice and he adds it to everyone else's voice and he shouts this word, yop. And it's this yop, yop, linked with all of the others that finally breaks the clouds or the atmosphere around this tiny planet so that Horton can hear them and save them. If we just get enough people to pray loudly enough and long enough, then our combined efforts will pierce the atmosphere around Earth. And then God, who's probably busy doing something else, will finally give us his attention. And so we have to pray and pray and pray. And not everyone's praying. So who isn't praying? You have to add your prayer to ours so that he can hear us. Yop! When we go into prayer, we're not hammering on the big heavy door of a castle, hoping that someone hears us. No, we're going into a quiet room and we're closing the door and we're talking with someone who's already there waiting for us. And who already knows what we need, as verse 8 says. Now, I believe that, that God has given us our imaginations. And I believe that imaginations are important, especially when it comes to prayer. You see, God is invisible. Verse 6 tells us that he's unseen and prayers as they are uttered are not visible, like all words are. You know, you, you, know, you can't see words unless you're reading, reading a comic. So words are invisible by their nature. And so in essence, what we're doing when we pray is we are communicating to an invisible being using an using an invisible means. And the thing with, with invisible things, especially in our world that values material things, is that invisible things can easily be sidelined or forgotten or ignored. And then you add into this fact that often the answers to our prayers aren't exactly visible either, you know, that they mostly can't be measured using a ruler or a weighing scale. They aren't material. And that's why when we're praying, we need faith. And faith, in a sense, is sort of like the um, soul's imagination, which is founded on God's truth. It's a confidence in the one who we cannot see. Second Corinthians 4 nails it when Paul says this. So we fix our, our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 
And prayer is one way, one major way, maybe the only way, I don't know, but it's a major way that we start to access that unseen reality, but it takes faith. You know that person who, when you see them walking towards you, you know exactly what they're going to say? They always seem to talk about, you know, the same stuff. They have the same complaints or the same news. Now, most likely, most likely they don't know just um, how predictable they are. They, they, they most likely think that what they're saying is fresh and new and exciting, but you know that they were talking about something very similar just last week and the week before and the week before. And I think sometimes we can do this with prayer. We come to God with whatever is on our mind and heart with all sincerity and we blurt it out. And I wonder whether God ever listens to that prayer and sort of says, um, in a really gracious way, of course, you said that yesterday and you said it the day before. And I'm not senile. I do remember what you say. In fact, not to brag, but I kind of have the best memory in the universe. And so here's an idea. How about today we actually have a conversation? Okay, so how do we avoid vain repetition in our prayers? Well, for me, I know that I, know that I babble in conversation when I don't know what to say when I run out of words and I babble in prayer for exactly the same reason. I don't know what to say. And so the way, and so one of the ways which I avoid vain repetition in my prayers is by praying the prayers of other people, pre-written prayers written not, not by me. And here, here, let me show you some of the prayer books I got hymn books, I got prayer books, I got a Wesley hymn book, you know, I have the book of daily prayer, um, I have another hymn book here, I have a prayer book for lay people, I have a book called Seeking God's Face, praying, with the, praying through the Bible for a year, I have this one which is a collection of Puritan prayers, these are all prayer books which I have, and, and I have a lot more on my Kindle as well. My point is this, is that praying someone else's prayers helps me avoid vain repetition. You see, when I'm praying someone else's prayer, I'm freed from not having to come up with the words myself. I somehow, I, 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 I somehow find I'm freed even more to mean what I say. Now, of course, you have to make sure that these prayers are biblical and sound, sound theologically. You have to make sure that these prayers are based on truth. But... Once, once, once that's been said, one of the benefits which um, from using written prayers is that I actually learn how to pray. That these folks who I'm reading, these men and women, they are mentoring me in prayer. And so over weeks, over months, over years, my prayers become richer and richer and richer. And I'm not just saying the same old thing again and again and again. And so... Liturgy is good. We should pray the Bible. We should pray the song. We should pray through hymns. We should pray through, through prayer books. We should pray through modern worship songs. 
And so the first way for us to avoid our babbling prayers is by praying pre-written prayers. Nathan said something to me on Tuesday while, while we were talking about this message. And I think he, he nailed it. And this is worth writing down, okay? This is, this is Nathan. Um, and, it's, and, and it's worth writing down, like I said. He says this, praying is not my telling God what he need, needs to do. It's allowing me to participate in bringing his heavenly will into my reality. Let me say that one more time. Prayer is not my telling God what he has to do. Prayer allows me to participate in bringing his heavenly will into my reality, which is a great way for us to view prayer, right? Bringing God's heavenly will into our reality. And that leads me on to kind of my, my uh, main idea in this sermon, which is, as it says on the screen there, to pray as if God already knows. What would your prayer life look like if you prayed as if God already knows? What would your prayer life look like if you prayed as if God already knew what you needed? Don't worry saying, what shall we uh, eat or drink or wear? For your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Matthew chapter 6 verse 32. What would your prayer life look like if you prayed not only that, that God knew what you needed, but that God already knows what you were going to say? Psalm 139, even before a word is on my tongue, you know it absolutely. And so, friends, my encouragement for you this week is to pray as if God already knows, because he does. Verse 8 Right says, says, don't be like the pagans who think that they will be heard because of their many words. Verse 8, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And so I ask you this, what is the opposite of many words? Is it fewer words? Is it few words? Is it one word? Is it silence? No words? When I started to experience silence in prayer, it was like someone invited me into a room in my house that I didn't even know existed. I felt foolish for not knowing it was there, but more importantly, I felt grateful that someone took their time to show me this room. You see, I thought that I'd located my Matthew 6 verse 6 room, this room I would go into and, you know, I would close the door. I thought I'd found it. But then silence is like this extra door in that room that leads you into another room where God feels even more present, even more there. Be still and know that I am God. It was a few years ago when... My friend Darren Dix actually put me onto this wonderful book called Quiet, Hearing God Amidst the Noise. It's just 63 pages long, but it showed me how to be quiet in prayer. It showed me what prayer looked, at, looked like as quietness. And through it, I started to learn how to meet God in this quiet place, in the quiet of my heart, in no words. 
Friends, we need to learn to meet God in his space and his way. Last last week I said um, how Jesus with, withdrew into the desert over and over again to meet with his father. He knew that that was where the father was. Now, you would think that we would read in the Bible some of the content of what God the Father and God the Son talked about in these wilderness times. But we don't read. We don't read anything. Not a word. Only that he would regularly do it. And even though we don't know what was said in these times, I don't imagine that Jesus filled up this precious time with his Father with yabbering on. Talking, talking, talking. When, you know, when, when he was in the desert for 40 days, do you think that Jesus was continually going through his prayer list? Do you think Jesus was continually filling this silence with the sound of his own voice? I highly doubt it. These times of Jesus's withdrawal, as recorded in the Gospels, always have this sense about them of quietness, of peace, of meditation and of pause. Let's recap. The first way for us to avoid babbling is by praying other people's prayers. And the other way, the second way to avoid babbling is by embracing quiet, embracing silence. Friends, God is infinite in size. 1 Kings 8 verse 27 says that the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot, cannot contain you. Acts 17 says this, that the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and he does not live in temples built by human hands. And God's not only infinite in size, he's also infinite in time. Exodus 15 verse 18 says that the Lord reigns forever and ever. And Psalm 90 verse 2 says, even before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you our God. Our God is infinite. And if he's lucky, we might somehow find time to squeeze him into our schedule. And during that 15 minutes, when we are, we are, we are giving this infinite God at least a portion of our attention, we use that time to rabbit on and to babble on in vain repetition, hoping that we can somehow gain God's attention. Now, scripture never tells us that God rolls his eyes. But I would imagine that sometimes when God hears my prayers, some eye rollage takes place. He's finally got me into the secret place and the door is closed and my bum hardly touches the seat when I look at God and I look at my watch and I say, okay, God, you've got 15 minutes. And then I launch into dad, dad, dad. Dad, can I, can I, can I, can I, please, please, Dad? We are, we are taking the infinite God and trying to squeeze him into our tiny space like a genie in a lamp. But God wasn't made to squeeze into our tiny space. We were, we were created to grow into his space. And something happens when we embrace quiet, when we stop and pause and simply allow ourselves to be in his holy presence. Something happens. We start to grow. 
we start to move into his eternal space. We literally start to experience heaven. And it all starts with believing Matthew 6 verse 8. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now this piece of information alone gives us the right and the permission to shut up, to stop talking, to no longer babble, vain repetition no more, to simply be. But what does this look like? What does, what does quiet look like? Now, as we end, I want to give you some hopefully helpful pointers to help you and allow uh, uh, you, you to move into that place of quiet. Because it won't be easy because being hurried and hectic is a drug. It's addictive. It gives us what we want, a sense of our own importance. But it, dis- but it does not give us what we need, which is, an, which is an awareness of God, a deeper awareness of the holy. And so when we start to embrace quiet, when we're sat in our room with the door closed, the first thing that we will hear is the noise of our own thoughts. Now, at normal pace of life, our thoughts kind of sound like, you know, traffic over there in the distance. It's there, but we don't really hear it. Just whoosh, 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 whoosh. But when we actually stop that hum, turns into a roar. Suddenly we find ourselves in the medium between two lanes of super fast traffic and it's really distracting. And that roar is our thoughts, our notifications, our checklists, our calendars, our anxiety, even our prayer lists. So maybe at the start of our time of quiet, it might be good to start with a pre-written prayer or a hymn or a psalm, something we can simply pray to God. And I think it's also helpful if we keep a piece of paper ne- uh, there, that they're on the table next to us within easy reaching distance. Because as we move into this time of quiet, as each anxious thought or reminder or list item comes into our mind, we can simply write it down and leave it in God's hands. This is the act of casting our cares upon him because he cares for us. And casting means releasing it. it, it, it it means um, it means freeing yourself to be in God's presence. So, so that's maybe how this time starts. But then what's next? Now, I will tell you what works for me, how I move into quietness. It might not be for you, but it m- might be worth giving it a try. Now, for me, like I've mentioned in the past, I love the ocean. I was raised by the ocean. I lived on a ship for six years. And so as I'm moving into quietness, I listen to the sound of waves on my headphones or in my speakers. And in my mind's eye, I picture Jesus and I going for a walk along one of the cliffs in Wales. And I can see see that beach far below me. And there might be seagulls flying overhead. And I feel the grass underneath my shoes. And there's maybe a sheep wandering over there and the clouds are grey and I can hear the sound of the surf. And as I'm there walking along with Jesus in this sacred space in my mind, I might say something like this. Be still and know that I am God. 
Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Or I might hold my, my comfort cross or my prayer beads and I might work through them and I say, Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. Over and over again as I go through. And as these worries and thoughts come into my mind, I simply imagine handing them over to Jesus and we continue our walk in peace and in quiet and in silence. Or sometimes I find it helpful in my mind's eye, in my sanctified imagination, as it were. I sometimes, I sometimes imagine or picture that Jesus and I are sat in the basket of a hot air balloon. And we're, you know, we're there at the ground level with all of the noise of the day around us. And, and it's loud and it's really busy. And, uh, you know, there's schedules and kids and everything happening around. And so in my mind's eye, I loosen those guy ropes. And we start rising and it's just Jesus and me in the basket. And it's a comfortable basket. It's simple and it's safe. And Jesus has gone and turned on the burner and we're rising up. And slowly as we rise up, the noise of life gets quieter and quieter. And it's as if we're moving into the presence of God himself. We're, we're now moving on God's currents, not ours. And in that quiet, Jesus and I are just sat there. I'm in his presence. And maybe as my eyes are closed, I'm just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm releasing the sandbags of my worried thoughts. My last scenario is very similar to the cliff walk or the hot air balloon but it, but I find this one super helpful because it's straight out of the bible and I think it's 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 my favorite and most likely you've you've heard me mention it in the past and it's based on Mark 6 verse 32 where in the middle of the fast lane of life and ministry Jesus says to, to his disciples people like you and me who are who are who are using the drug of, 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 of hyperactivity. You know, they just love it. You know, they love being in the fast lane. And Jesus says to them in the midst of the busyness of ministry, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Mark 6 verse 32. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now that sounds a lot like my cliff walk. That sounds a lot like my hot air balloon ride. And in the sacred space in my mind, I go for a sailboat ride with Jesus. With the wind in our hair, just me and him. And all of the worries are receding as we leave the shore and we head into open water. Friends, this week, I want you to set aside some time. Half an hour or more. Find your room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And resist the urge to get into vain repetition. Resist the urge to move into babbling phase. 
And so start with a pre-written prayer and then move into quietness. It's worth maybe bringing a breath prayer with you to, you know, to help you as you focus. Like, Lord, I love you. Or Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Or simply say to Jesus, I am here. And just say that over and over again on each breath until your heart rate reduces and you know that, that you're in the presence of Almighty God. Just, or perhaps just say, Lord, fill me. Or say, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And so I want you to practice prayer without a laundry list. I want you to leave that laundry list outside your room. Maybe go for a lake walk with Jesus in your heart. Maybe take him out on your fishing boat in your mind and just sit there in silence with him, breathing in and out, releasing your cares into his hands as they arise. God wasn't made to squeeze into our space. We were created to grow into his space. And so choose not to babble. Instead of babbling, use a prayer book. Instead of babbling, embrace quietness. Instead of babbling, pray as if God already knows. <laughs>